The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it run it again hello and welcome i'm not going to so quit asking when you give me a hard time for the listeners that didn't get to go this is the payback Alabama wins. what you did last year really doesn't matter our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play hi hello and welcome to another edition of the alabama football podcast and tide fans have we got a treat for you we are interviewing again uh tommy with uh talking tigs uh many of you will remember we interviewed uh tommy last season leading up to the interview game it was a phenomenal interview very insightful uh Tom, uh tommy is and a lot of information uh what he was able to uh to share uh about the tigers great conversation uh really uh genuinely enjoy talking with tommy so uh i'm confident that you guys will enjoy it as well on to the show go well, welcome back, Alabama fans, and have we got a treat for you. We have Tommy back again this year with Talking Tigs. Tommy, how are you? It is great to be with you. I'm, I'm excited to be uh, welcomed back for a second year, and um, you know, I'm ready to chop it up. This is one of the best games of the season, especially for us. I know we don't we don't really factor it as the, as the number one rival for y'all, but uh, for, a, for a school that really has one flagship school, you know, like we're Alabama week is, is as close to a big rivalry, you know, as we often get. We, uh, you know, we do. It's just, I guess, the nature of it. We do have a couple of uh, rivals uh, and there's sort of factions within the fan base. Uh, you know, obviously there's Auburn, uh, there's, a, a, you know, Tennessee, but there's a there's a, a, a healthy faction within the fan base. Uh, that views LSU as is is one of our top rivals, and and sort of with that as a with Auburn, it's, I think it's just kind of hate, and <laughs> uh, and with Tennessee, it's a little kind of something. With LSU, I think there's a little side eye respect there, kind of kind of thing. It's a it's a different every rivalry of those three. It feels a little different. There's a little something different about it, and uh, certainly. Uh, certainly it is a big week. Uh, LSU week is always a big week. And, and, uh, you know, we shared a buy this, this week and all that does is sort of inflate, uh, you know, the excitement and energy and, and expectations. But, uh, you know, before we jump into all that, why don't we go back a little bit in the time machine and, uh, you know, check our watches and our clocks and our calendars about a year and a, a year ago, you and I did this, uh, leading up to the game and, and, you know, a lot has changed at that time. In some sort of form, form or fashion, Ogeron was sort of on the way out, mm-hmm. and uh, we talked a little bit about Napier and who was going to be the coach, and you know maybe some uh, some other candidates. And uh, you know here we are, fast forward. You know Brian Kelly's uh, firmly entrenched in in the position. I don't know that he was on anyone's radar when we spoke last year. So kind of talk. There's there's sort of the evolution of the seasons, right? He's announced go through recruiting the off season and kind of here we are. What, uh, what, what sort of, what was the the thought process, the evolution, if you will, uh, across the fan base with uh, how has that gone with Brian Kelly so far? I mean, I think that initially you're right. It was, it was not a name that, that many people 
had had even thought of he was not on the radar you know at the time when we were speaking last year uh, you know Mel Tucker was a was a thought um Lincoln Riley came in strong at the end everyone pretty much thought man it's gonna be Lincoln Riley he's you know it's the 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 age-old thing of tracking um private jets looking at tail numbers and uh tail numbers were heading from Norman Oklahoma to uh to or from Baton Rouge to Norman and back so um, you know, people were people were thinking about the, about Lincoln Riley. I was excited about the potential of Lincoln Riley. Um, and then, of course, Jimbo Fisher, who uh, famously is you know almost best friends with Scott Woodward, the AD here. They uh, they they go at fishing at the same camp in South Louisiana. You know, Jimbo has been at LSU before. Um, a lot of people thought, okay, it's that's the obvious pick. Um, and then, of course, like you said, we talked about Billy Napier, who was due to to get a big a big time um, D1 or SEC job, um, especially after the success that he had at, uh, at UL. So um, you're right. I, I don't think I, rem- I remember where I was. I was sitting in my uh, living room when the announcement was made that Brian Kelly, I honestly thought it was, um, I-, I was like, Oh, this is a gag. Like, you know, this is just a meme. Cause you know, you can make the, you make those, those sure. announcement memes all the time. And so I saw one, I saw a funny one actually, uh, yesterday or, or two days ago when Harson was fired, I saw one of uh Bill of uh Bill O'Brien as yep. the as the Auburn coach. And I saw some Alabama people saying good because we don't want him either. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um anyways, so yeah, it, but I think that when when it when the news settled in and it wasn't I, I would say it wasn't as splashy a hire as maybe um as maybe like a Lincoln Riley would have been. But when it's when news settled in and you realize, man, we're getting one of the winningest coaches. We're getting a coach that's that's gone to the playoff multiple times, who's you know played in in national championships, never won one, and has has you know led one of the most iconic programs in college football for a, for over ten years. Um, I mean, you can't that that's that's a huge that's a huge pull, and it, it was off people's radars because you kind of thought, well, no, he's staying. You know, that's like saying. Uh, yeah, we're going to take Bobby Bowden from uh, Florida State. Like it just, you just don't think it would happen. Um, but then once you, once you kind of get in the nitty gritty of it, and he, he arrives in Baton Rouge and after, especially after that bowl game, uh, we lose a pe- we lose a ton of people to transfer portal. I mean, the, for, for the listeners who maybe haven't watched a ton of LSU this year, if you watched out, if you look at the game we're going to watch um, on Saturday compared to in the roster that we're going to put out on Saturday compared to the roster we put out a year ago, um, it's totally different it, by every stretch of the imagination. Names, uh, schemes, coaching, everything. Uh, you know, philosophy, what we're going to try and do. Um, I mean, and, and <laughs> some of the players that that you recognize that that – from last year, will actually be in jerseys for your team. That's, <laughs> so, right. That's right. We've got one. We'll probably be starting against us. And you know, so we've we've had that happen multiple times this season. So it, it really, we I mean, we were down to just a handful of scholarship athletes by the by the end of bowl season last year. It was really looking bleak as far as recruiting was kind of. I wouldn't say it was falling apart, but we had a little bit of a of a um, a shakeup in the early recruiting. Uh, the, the early signing day when O was fired and then uh, Kelly came in, he didn't really get a chance to connect with some of those recruits right at the right, right before that December early signing day. But as time got on, 
uh, you know, he really seemed to pick it up on the recruiting trail and he put together a good staff. He, he um, really seemed to understand the importance of Louisiana and, and the, the, of course, you know, the national media will go after him for being an outsider and the, the famous family, you know, Oh, um, accent thing. Um, that, but internally, and I think if you're, if you talk to people around Baton Rouge around the program, you, you'd hear that he understood I mean, this is not a guy who's who's this is not his first time running a huge program. And uh, I think he has a lot of respect for the SEC and for what each of these institutions mean for their area. And because of that, you've seen him hot, go off and hire uh, Frank Wilson, who's one of the most prolific Louisiana recruiters, um, Cortez Hankton from Georgia, who's a New Orleans guy. Um, just to name a few, it, you know, this if you look at this support staff, specifically in the recruiting area, it's very Louisiana heavy, yeah. um, which for for a guy for 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 me, that's a good thing. Um, it is. You can win. You can you can pull from Louisiana and, and you can win. Was there a moment because fit was a question? Uh, it you know that press or that sort of basketball game where he's sort of freelancing there was a was there a moment? And the media sort of grabbed onto that, and it was funny. Uh, was there a moment where maybe the fan base thought he was trying too hard? Um. I don't, I don't know if, you know, I don't, to be honest, I didn't hear the family that bad. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear him putting on it some great, you know, it wasn't like, Hey y'all, here I am. I'm right. right, right. It didn't sound like that to me. So I I think people may, I think people laugh about it. I think what, what actually made the fan base feel a little bit more cringe was the dancing (laughs) uh, when he was dancing with recruits. Yes. But I mean, one thing that you have noticed, and this, and I've heard this from a lot of people um, who who have been around the program and, and kind of seen, um, and, and then I, I, we mentioned before we start recording that there are some strong uh, Notre Dame ties in South Louisiana. So you know, people who are familiar with Notre Dame as well, this is a this is somewhat of a different Brian Kelly in Notre Dame. He had to be very buttoned up. Yep. No one was no one's bigger than the Golden Dome at Notre Dame. No one's bigger than the institution, um, and that trickles down to football from what from what I've heard. And so, you know, he had to always he, he was he was just another another employee basically of the institution. Here, he's been from what I've seen, he's been able to uh, unwind a little bit, loosen it up. He can dance. He can. I mean, he's, he's making enough money to, where he can kind of do whatever he wants too. So, right. um, and and I think as we've seen, um. You know, if, if he can if he can put a good product on the field, I think that's fit for for rabid LSU fans, for for people who pay attention to this sport like like me and you do. I mean, I don't know if anyone uh, would would question uh, Nick Saban's fit in Alabama, even though he's from West Virginia. Yeah. You know, it, you, you take a coach like like Kelly, clearly a, a, a very good coach. Uh, you can go back to his career and it's been upward you know, trajectory. You know, he's he's number of years at Notre Dame. I uh, had quite a bit of success there, a program that has, you know, probably as many disadvantages as advantages, got him into the playoffs a couple of times in, into the national title game. And I, I just have this sense that that Brian Kelly is 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 sort of saying, I want to go to a program and and that I that I know can run. Right. I know yeah. it has a, an engine. I know it has a motor. I know it has more than maybe where I was. And I want to fire this baby up and see what it'll do. And that that's sort of the sense that I have. And it looks like as the season has progressed, the team has followed a, an upward trajectory as well. Talk about that a little bit. 
So I, I think you're totally right. And this is something we've on my on my podcast, Talking Tigs, uh, you know, we talk about LSU, we talk about LSU every week, and we and we obviously football pretty much commit. We talk about football every week, no matter if it's in the season or not. Um I think that's something that LSU fans have been struggling to grapple with really since, to be honest, since since the former coaches, uh, as my mentor Tommy Karam says, uh, talking about Nick Saban, he, he refers to him as the former coach, um, as after as after he left, uh, is what is what is how how much does LSU get you? Like how how high how many wins? We'll just say wins or or success does LSU as just a brand and as just a program get you? And then, and how much of that is coach? Because, you know, if we were having this conversation uh, 10 years ago, I'd be talking about a Les Miles coach team who um, just just played and lost to y'all in a national championship game, you know, played, it was, we were about to play in, uh, or a year ago, we, you know, or no, 11 years ago, we would have played in the Armageddon game, 9-6, the legendary game everyone likes to point to. And, you know, I, I think there are a lot of LSU fans who would have said, "We have one. Of, we have. We might not have the best coach in college football. We have the second best." Well, then, and he, you know, he's had all the stats. He was the winningest, I think, with the you know outside of Saban or all kinds of these you know weird stats of how good he was. Um, and then it kind of didn't really happen. And then we got then then we have, you know moved on, fired him, moved moved on to Orgeron who I don't think anybody would have predicted. I mean, we tried to get Jimbo, whiffed, tried to get Tom Herman, whiffed, and ended up with Orgeron. And then, we, lo and behold, we we end up having a little bit of success and win a national championship. But then two years later, we're in the dumps. And so I think that – and what, what we've really been trying to grapple with is and, – and I think that what a lot of LSU fans are realizing is LSU is going to have success and be able to attract talent, whether it's – Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, Les Miles, or me and you running the program. Kids from Louisiana want to come here. I mean, Mike the Tiger, Tiger Stadium. It's Saturday night in Death Valley. There's just something that that this program has in the same way that Alabama and Bryant-Denny Stadium have it. Uh, the Swamp at Florida has it. There's, there's a handful of programs. Ohio State has it in the Midwest. Um, Clemson is, is – I would say Clemson is there. Maybe, maybe a little bit, you know, it could – fall off a little bit, but I'd say Clemson's still a top tier team. Sure. Um, and so what we're really excited and what I'm excited for, and I think you're seeing it as LSU has progressed this year is what, what can, what can that standard of, you know, kind of what you can, what you can expect from LSU, what can that turn into when you can, when you have excellent coaching, not good right. coaching, not okay coaching. And I think we've seen the progression of that. We've seen as he installs a process of how he wants to do things, the amount of of improvement that I've seen from Florida State to today is really remarkable. I don't know if I don't know if many other coaches that could do that and make it look so good. So I think we're we're really excited about that. No, I think that's I think that's phenomenal, and it and it's come through. You know, even just on you know the television, uh, you can see that the the play and the effort, uh, you know, has has improved and progressed. You know that Tennessee game was a really a real low point, but it, it's almost a significant. But it's almost like that was a a crucible moment because it uh, it it seemed. Um, and I don't watch every snap of every LSU game, but uh, I try to look at it. You know, a little bit every Saturday, and and just the the discipline, the effort, the tenacity, 
the last couple of weeks has really been significant. And, and Saban said it this week in his press conference. Now he always, you know, sort of says something nice about our opponent and that's, that's fair. Uh, but uh, you know, when he talks about LSU playing some of the best ball in the country right now, I think he's right. I think, uh, you know, there's a couple of teams I might put in that category, but LSU's right there, you know, in the, in the mix. Um, talk about, you know, probably a player, an individual player that has as much to do with that uh, as, as anyone. But uh, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback, transfer from uh, Arizona State. Uh, it's it, does, it doesn't always sound good when, when a, a fourth-year guy's playing like a freshman, but he was a lights-out freshman. And then so yeah, COVID exactly. sort of almost derailed his career. And his numbers are getting back, and they're going to exceed what he did uh, when he was sort of an All-America level uh, freshman out there, and he's doing it, you know, in the SEC. Uh, talk about Daniels and what he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, the, going into the season, the the big uh, quarterback was one of the big questions. Our um, our starter last year, Max Johnson, transferred out. And is now, you'll now see him. I think he's on the sidelines for AM right now because he's injured, but he started a few games for AM this year. Um, you know, losing him – was was a was a big blow we felt um at the end of the season and then uh then we ended up losing Miles Brennan who was kind of the 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 long-term guy who'd been here since before Burrow was here and paid his dues and and then evidently didn't win out and then we end up picking up Jaden Daniels which you know if I think that for for um kind of real college football junkies you you knew of him basically because of that freshman season you mentioned I remember he was lighting the world on fire at Arizona state. But like you said, after those two years, I mean, you know, two years after, after his freshman year for two years, he was just not, not the player we saw. And so I think there's a lot of um, going in, you know, picking him up. There's a lot of interest, a lot of intrigue of, okay, like, you know, this guy could play maybe, but it, it's also, you know, who knows what he's going to do. And he ended up winning out the quarterback battle against Garrett Nussmeyer there. Now some people, a lot, there are a lot of people down here complaining. When it, when it was first announced, sure. a lot of people saying, I just don't know. He's not going to be the guy. And even after uh, the first couple games, we want to see Nussmeyer. And then I think game three, Nussmeyer comes in because Jaden got a little bit injured and you saw, okay, it was a clear, there's a clear victory right. uh, in the, in the quarterback battle. I don't think anybody's questioning Jane Daniels. Now he's, he really has been phenomenal. Um, he's been, you know, the, the thing that, that that I that I try to temper everyone's expectations and temper everyone's kind of thoughts of is he's not going to be a pick you apart he's not going to be a Burrow he's not going to be a Mac Jones or a Bryce Young mm-hmm. but that's okay he he really has an he has an incredible skill set he's one of the fastest players probably in the SEC in the open field and yeah I mean he's he's been able to avoid avoid big hits and and kind of. Um, and play his game and make the, you know, make the throws when he needs to, but also um, make great plays on his feet. And I'm glad that we're embracing that. And, and, you know, we're LSU's benefiting from it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there was a moment, you know, Jane Daniels coming in and, and I was like, I remember there being a Jane and Daniels, but it can't be the same guy. Cause it just, you know, four years in, in college football feels like forever. And, uh, and, but that, that COVID sort of, uh, I think really sort of messed with his uh, with with his career in Arizona State and you know the pack and and went out how how they played out. But uh, he is really I, I hesitate to say resurrected, but I, maybe that's the right word. He really 
uh, is having a phenomenal season. He's considered uh, a junior and I think the COVID year. And so great opportunity for, for him to come back and really build out his career. But you talk about his versatility and, and how he's used. You know, I want to talk about the running game, but we have to talk about Jaden Daniels in the running game, too. He's LSU's leading rusher. Yeah. Uh, so, so talk about uh, talk about not quarterback Daniels, but maybe the running back Daniels. Uh, and then sort of who who else uh, who else does uh, Alabama need to watch out for uh, toting the rock? I mean, I think that, yeah, as far as um, as far as threats on the ground go, it's Daniels is our number one threat. But the the thing that is really great about him is that um, when he's able to run, he he's able to open up the open up the running game for some of our other threats. And you know, guy, uh, my favorite running back on this team right now is is a guy named Josh Williams. Now I'm a little bit of a um, of a sucker for like the walk on who you know grinds it out, and and that's him. He was a walk on two years ago, and a, a lot of and a lot of guys even in Baton Rouge media were saying. You know, he was getting touches. He's gotten consistent touches for the past, you know, three years. But a lot of people are saying, why is he out there? Come on, we've got John Emery, the five star. It needs to be him. It needs to be last year, it was Ty Davis Price. It needs to be these guys. Why is Josh Williams, you know, getting a share of these carries? But we've, I think if you've watched any, any of LSU football, especially this year, um, you see the reason is because not only can he run, he can also catch, but most importantly, he can, he can hit, uh, he can, uh, pass protect. And so he's a guy who I, who I look for. I think that he's a lot, he reminds me of um, Clyde Edwards Alaire in that um, he's just, a, he's just a grinder. He's willing to do it all. And I like the way he runs between the tackle. He doesn't, he doesn't run scared. Uh, he runs downhill. And so, and, and he's had a very successful se- uh, gu- uh, games this year running, but I think it's, you know, it, it works in tandem with him and Daniels just off that option. And then, um, a little RPO game as well, but also just the fact that, you know, the, the uh, linebackers and, and safeties, they have to key both of them. You know, they're not just looking at, okay, if Josh, if, if we're here to run the ball, it's going to be Josh Williams. So I like him. Um, Armani Goodwin is coming off injury. He should be available. Um, he's another good one. He, uh, another good one. But, uh, you know, he, he's, been a little bit off and on this year and then of course injury as well and then john emory is really the, the the enigma because like i said he was a five-star um recruit out of destrahan uh louisiana very highly touted one of the fastest players you know was going to be the next kind of the next guy the next lsu running back the next leonard or um you know darius geis or whoever take your pick really uh but it just hasn't panned out and but but just and, and he hasn't had a great season this year. He hasn't really toted the rock as much as we hoped. People, a lot of people thought this was going to be his breakout year. But what you've seen, I think it was uh, you know maybe most notable in the Florida game. But he shows flashes, and so you know he's a guy who you could you could see him on a on a uh, halfback screen and he runs off for sixty yards and runs a t- and scores a touchdown just because that's how talented he is. He's just not as stable, and so this you know. If I'm an if I'm an Alabama fan, um, or if, if, from my perspective, what we talked about on my podcast, I think that for LSU to have a chance in this game, Josh Williams needs to have a solid game. He doesn't need to go off and you know over 100 yards and three touchdowns or something like that, but he needs to have a very respectable, solid game where y'all have to uh, respect his his running ability. So I, I think that's something that's someone I look for. 
um, in the run game. And then, of course, I think it goes without saying, you can just look at the stat sheet. Jaden Daniels is going to be an important. He's got to run is well, it, too. <laughs> it's, right. Is em, is Emory healthy? I, I, I think uh, Kelly said something on, uh, uh, what is it, the SEC uh, teleconference about Emory maybe being a go this week. What's uh, What's the latest you've heard on his health? I, I've heard he is uh, that he is healthy. I mean, they practiced. I, I just, I, yeah, I, I just checked it. He, they practiced um, yesterday, so um, and you know, it seems like they are going to be available both Emory and and Jack Jack Besh, who's another one we'll get into. I'm sure we'll get into and what yeah, you know yeah, we talk yeah, about absolutely. wide receivers, but um, you know, Emory. Uh, yeah, I should I look for him to to play, but again. How much? I don't know. I, I think that I think that when when the offense takes the field for the first uh, first snap, I think Josh Williams will be the guy there. You know, I do want to transition to wide receiver, and I want to talk about uh, you know, talking about uh, uh, uh Butte, and and when I and hopefully I'm saying that not too terribly wrong. When I think about you know the storyline, we talk about Kelly, uh, you know, coming in from Notre Dame, and he's a little bit of a taskmaster coach, and and you know the program, you know, down on its luck, you want to say, and Jaden Daniels comes in, a transfer, you know, a reclamation pro- project, and then you've got sort of the star wide receiver on the team that might be a little bit aggravated and a little bit frustrated, maybe he's going to transfer, or maybe he's not, and maybe he's not bought in, and maybe he is, and all that. This starts to sound like a Hallmark made-for-TV movie, right? So how does this sort of all sort of conspire? Uh, it looks like everyone's sort of nodding their heads in the in the right direction now. But talk about Kayshawn, and, uh, and and there's some other potent weapons there uh, on the receiver core as well. You know, Malik Neighbors, uh, Malik Neighbors is putting up some some numbers. Uh, Jeray uh, Jenkins and uh, Brian Thomas uh, putting up good numbers as well. And I remember uh, what I think he's a five-star. He, there was a good recruiting battle between LSU and and uh, Brian for him. And all of a sudden, that looks like a pretty solid receiving core. Yeah, I mean, I think that going into this year, um, the receiving core was probably our most talented kind of uh, position position group. Maybe, maybe you could argue defensive line as well. Um, but, of course, after week one with Mason Smith, getting go, uh, you know out for the season with an ACL tear it's kind of you know null and void yeah the wide receiver issue the wide receiver group is has really been interesting and especially like you said kind of teasing the back and forth with Kayshawn and Brian Kelly um and and I have to say I, I'm I'm totally pro Kelly on this uh I think that you know from from what I've heard um Orgeron was, and and you've heard you hear this, you know, from all over that players love Orgeron because he was a player's coach, sure, and and he was all, and and I think that he was a very star driven coach as well. If you're a star, you kind of got to do whatever you wanted, um, because and if you make the plays on the field, more power to you. Kelly's not that way. It's not how he operated at Notre Dame. It's probably you probably couldn't operate it that way at Notre Dame because, right. you know, the the star the star level at Notre Dame is a little bit different than maybe you know, the star level at LSU. Yeah. And so there was a, there was a big trend, a big transition period for the two of them. I remember, uh, you know, iconically one of his first press conferences, they asked him, well, how is your relationship with Kayshawn, uh, Kayshawn Butte? And he goes, well, I know his, I know his first name's Kayshawn and his last name's Butte. Uh, (laughs) And a lot of, there were a lot of LSU fans who were, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. What, how he's not even talking to our best player. But I think it shows 
when in the first couple of games, you know, from, from what I heard, he wasn't he wasn't prepared to practice. He he wasn't com- he was nursing an injury all through the offseason and then was missing practices and not and not going to like the uh the mandatory things that he was supposed to be at because of injury. Right. Um and so uh, it's definitely been you know growing pains for him, but I think it was after the Ole Miss game, um, or maybe no, I guess it was after the Tennessee game when, when LSU lost, like you like he talked about. Um, Kelly t- Kelly mentioned in a press conference that um, you know Kayshawn is has has really kind of stepped up and that he's become that leader that we want him to be, and he's I guess he's on the he's on the right page. Yeah. And he understands, I mean, to be honest, he is playing for his, um, especially at this point, he's playing for his draft status. Yeah. Um, you know, going into the season, he was touted as maybe the best receiver in college football. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have him as my best receiver right now no. um, off the, on a draft board. Um, so he, you know, he's got a lot on the line, but I think also it's good that, um, you know, he's, he's definitely kind of maturing into that leader that we need him to be in the home stretch of this season. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I look for him to have a, a big game. He's been he's been the star here on our receiving core for three years now. Right. But like you mentioned, I mean, I think Malik Neighbors, the way Malik Neighbors is really the one he seems to have the best connection with uh, Jaden Daniels, you know, okay. in the same way that like and, I, I, you know, you might equate it to this when Burrow was uh, was here. Jamar Chase was the big play guy. Obviously, if you watch him with the Bengals, I mean, Jamar Chase and Burrow, they're they're the they're the best. But if you watched LSU that 19 season, uh Burrow's security security blanket was Justin Jefferson. When he when he got into trouble, when he needed a when he needed to catch, when he needed something, it was always Justin Jefferson. Um and I feel like Malik Neighbors is kind of that for Jaden Daniels. So you know, I, I look at I look at eight as a, as a potential, you know, guy to have a, a really Maybe not uh, the the biggest stat sheet game, but an impactful game. You know, maybe he catches a really important third down. Yeah. Maybe he you know takes a, a screen and and really guts it out and and you know stretches for a first down, something like that. Talk about Josh uh, Besh. You brought him up, uh, wide receiver, uh, plays special teams. He's had a couple bad days in uh, special team duties. Uh, talk about Josh, uh, kind of where his head is, and uh, you know what type of uh, role or contribution you expect him to have. Yeah, so I mean, Jack Besh is—he's one of the best players on our uh, on our team. I think actually, um, after he had that big, uh, the big punt, uh, muffed punt, Brian Kelly said in the uh, in the halftime when they interviewed him at halftime, walking out, walking into the locker room, you know, he, they said, "What'd you tell Jack?" And he said, "I told him you're the best player on our team. We need you. Like, you know, you got to wipe this off your." So obviously, Brian Kelly has has a high opinion of him. One of my best friends is a coach um, at Rummel in New Orleans, the big the big five A high school there. And when Besh was a senior, he told me it's not even close. He's the best player in the state. I mean, and he he wasn't he was you know he was not very highly recruited um, before LSU. His best offer was Vanderbilt. He was commit, committed to Vanderbilt. So I think that says a lot for him. Um, and, and, and you know, he's he has. I feel like he struggled this year. He has battled a little bit of injury um, for the past two weeks. He's been battling what uh, the news is called a cranky back. Don't really know what that is, but that's kept him off the field. And he hasn't had as big of a year as, as maybe I hope as, as maybe LSU fans, or at least I would have hoped. Um, but he's still, a, he's a big play guy. He's another kind of grinder guy. He's, he's, you know, not going to, uh, 
if you watched it earlier the season, one of the critiques I had of Kayshawn, in some ways it looked like he was quitting and he wasn't, you know, wasn't running his routes, especially if you look at the Florida State game. One of the last plays of the game, he he there's a slant route thrown to him and he doesn't even have his, he doesn't even see it. Um, that's not what you get out of Jack Bash. So I, I like him. I, I I do question, you know, I wonder if he's gonna be a hundred percent and wonder if he's gonna um he just hasn't gotten a lot of he hasn't gotten a lot of play this year. And, lot, and I don't really know why that is, but he's another guy where when he touches the ball, you know, he's he's liable to make a play. Yeah, you know, talent and effort. And that's, you know, again, that sort of goes into the sort of Hallmark movie element to it, right? Talent and effort, you know, over time is going to win out. And so, you know, maybe it's not Saturday. I'm rooting for it not to be this Saturday, but there's a Saturday coming up where he's going to bust out and have, you know, uh, have a big day because, uh, like you said, he's got the talent. Talk about this uh, freshman uh, phenom wide receiver, Mason Taylor. Uh, looks like he's got an NFL body today. Uh, just a big old, uh, big old tight end. Alabama's been known to struggle with uh, with that position and talented players uh, there. What can Tide fans expect from Taylor? Man, you know Mason Taylor has been the one. I'm so glad you brought him up, and I think he he might be an X factor. When I when I talked about um, when I broke down this game with with my guys. Mason Taylor, Josh Williams, and then the uh, the the two tackles, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. Um, those are kind of my keys to the offense. I, Mason Taylor has been incredibly good. He does not play like a freshman. He's got poise. He's uh, he's very aware. He's a very smart player. You know, you see him. I've seen him multiple times. Really, be able to to catch the ball and then play with like clock awareness to you know whether or not whether he needs to get his knee down in or step out. You know, kind of the little things like that, which I which I really like to see, especially out of a freshman. But you know, when you realize that his dad is Jason Taylor, the you know basically Hall of Fame defensive end from my from the Miami Dolphins, um, kind of makes sense yeah. that he's got that pedigree. Uh, but he he's he's really, you know, we had we picked up two years ago. We got Eric Gilbert, and and it was kind of the curious case of Eric Gilbert because yep. he was with us and then he quit and then he went to Florida for I think three minutes and then he went, then he quit and then he went to Georgia and then he was on the team this year and he hasn't seen the field. It, it's a weird situation, but he was the highest ranked tight end of all time by two, four, seven. People thought he was going to be like the next uh, Calvin Johnson, you know, just yeah. a very, just a rangy talented receiver who all, who just happens to play tight end. I think Mason Taylor is that guy for us. He doesn't have the same body type, but um, I mean, when I think about him two years from now, I think he's going to be, you know, our, he's going to be like a Kyle Pitts. He's going to yeah. be one of our main weapons. And I'm just excited to see him, you know, w- let's see how he plays against probably some of the, you know, the probably the best defense he's played all year, uh, you know, in, in Alabama, but um, I'm excited for him. I think he's, a, I think he could have a big game. And I think if he does have a big game, that that's good for LSU. Yeah. I, I need to talk to Saban about uh, how he wasn't able to, to, to bring in Mason Taylor because he coached, he coached his daddy at uh, for the Dolphins. So I don't know yeah. how he wasn't able to pull, uh, pull him in. So, uh, but he's certainly a talented player. Let's talk about that offensive line. Now, you know, when I look at the, when I look at the roster and and I look at, uh, you know, a version of what I think the starters might be, it looks like a, uh, looks like a lot of underclassmen and, uh, and transfers on the offensive line. And, and typically that can go a couple different ways, right? You got a lot of, well, not underclassmen, but upperclassmen, but, but a lot of transfers. And so, you know, that is, that is, are, are we looking at maybe a, a really cohesive unit or is this sort of patchwork with, uh, with a lot of transfers, which is sort of winning, winning that, that dial there. 
I mean, it, it's not it's not cohesive in the same way that maybe uh, the 1919 one was where, you know, the, the guys had played together and, and maybe, you know, you swap in and out. One guy was the main was the kind of the main starter last year, but he kind of lost out. Now he's the swing man. Yeah, but it's generally the same group. It's not really the not really the case with this group. I mean, like you said, you got two true freshmen at at tackles, um, Will Campbell and Emory Jones. Uh, so yeah, you got two uh, you got two tackles who are both freshmen, and Will Campbell and Emory Jones, not the quarterback from Florida, former quarterback from Florida. <laughs> but um, they are. Uh, I mean, they're very talented, and you know they're they've done a great job so far. But um, I mean, they're freshmen, and yeah. I mean, when I'm when I think about these two going up against uh, probably the best player in college football right now, Will Anderson, and uh, then a guy who I think every other team in America would gladly have as their number one edge rusher in Dallas Turner on the other side, it scares me. Not necessarily because of a of a talent thing, but just because they're freshmen, and yeah. they, you know, <laughs> a year ago they were playing in LHSA high school playoffs right now. Then, like you said, you know, you've got some transfers like Miles Frazier um, and Trayvon, uh, Trayvon Schwartz. You know, those are we've we've had some good some good luck, especially with Frazier, as far as um, you know, he was a highly rated transfer out of FAE, FIU, Florida International, I believe. Um and and so you know, I, he's he's done well. But overall, our offensive line has been a has been a challenge. And you know, that's why you've seen Jaden Daniels have to scramble so much. I think that it's probably 60% by choice, but 40% because he's also kind of running for his life a little bit. He's got, he's got um, <laughs> but uh, I guess, you know, that, that does the fact that he's got wheels that they, that Daniels has wheels kind of gives our uh, offensive line a little bit of a reprieve because, you know, you might not, you might not just rush and rush and rush because if you, break contain a little bit and he could spring loose and go off for, for 60. Um, so I think that helps us a little bit, the, the more dimensionality of our offense, um, you know, being able to, and, and they, to be honest, they, now they've done a very good job. I mean, especially against Ole Miss um, against Florida, the, the offensive line along with most of the team, um, but offensive line a lot in particular have gotten better game after game. And and I think some of that cohesive nature you're talking about, um, they weren't they're not cohesive cohesive right off the out of the box because um, it's just so many new pieces. But I think, uh, and this is a testament to Brad Davis, who I who I love. He, I, I've listened to him talk multiple times, and he's the he's the uh, the offensive line coach for LSU. I think it shows how good how good he is as a coach because you've been he's been able to put the pieces together. And really coach them up as a as a group, and I think I've seen you know a, a quality improvement, but they're not the best. They're not going to be the best. Like right, I'm right. sure I, I, Dan, I I'm sure Will Will Anderson will be able to get his. So don't worry, Tide fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's flip the field and uh, talk LSU defense. Uh, talk about the scheme that that, that Kelly uh, is running there. I was trying to I, I was trying to sort of back into it. And uh, I, you know, BJ, uh, uh, a largey, uh, oh, I'm butchering that, uh, Ojolari, um, I see him as a defensive end. I see him as a jack. And so I'm torn. Are you guys running a, a three, three, five or more of a four, two, five or how's, uh, what, what do you typically see? I mean, it, you know, I think that in that house said it when he kind of came in, you know, it's multiple. 
he wants yeah. to, he kind of wants to do everything, which I guess, you know, I think most teams these days are, you kind of have to be multiple. Yeah. Um, and, and that was a challenge that I think uh, that, that Orgeron, when he, when he hired, uh, that was something that really hurt LSU when they hired Polini. Yes. Cause Polini came in and he said, I want to be four or five. And everybody said, well, this isn't 2004. <laughs> like, you know, we have players like, uh, you know, we got Bryce Young at quarterback. You can't, you can't do that. So, um, yeah, we're going to be multiple. I mean, Ojolari, you know, like you said, he's kind of the do it all guy. He's what we, what we kind of think about is maybe our, um, Will Anderson, uh, you know, he, he's can, can kind of do it in coverage. He can, he can hold his own in coverage. He can rush the passer. He can play, um, run support. He can, he can take on a block. He's, I mean, he's, he's a great guy. And he, he's also, you know, he's number 18. So he's the leader. He's the guy who's been here and, and kind of, um, is, is expected to be, um, the, you know, rally the troops on defense. I think that, uh, another one to look for kind of the same position, you'll see him come in and, and, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of LSU fans are hoping you'll see a lot of him for years to come as Harold Perkins, yep. um, number 40. Uh, I mean, it might just be because he wears 40, but he looks just like Devin White, man. I mean, and he's a freshman out of uh, Houston, Texas, which he was the big kind of when we talked about Kelly, when when LSU got him, which he was a consensus five-star, one of the highest rated players in the in this class. Um, I think that's when LSU fans realized, okay, wait, we have something here. Kelly yeah. is, he's for real. He's And he's going to recruit and he's going to be able to get the big ones. And Harold Perkins has truly lived up to those five stars. You know, I think that for LSU to have a chance in this game, he's got to have a big game. It kind of, uh, you know, he's not an every down player at this point because he's a true freshman. He's very raw. He's great rushing the passer. He's he's very uh, athletic. So he's he's probably better in coverage when he if he has to be than Ojolari. Um, and he can play. He can play Mike. He can play Will. Uh, and he can play Sam. But uh, you know, I think that he's at this point he's best as that pass rusher kind of. Um, you know, hybrid type guy. Uh, another one who I really, really like on the defensive side of the ball is uh, the safety Jay Ward, um, number five. Uh, he, you know, he'll kind of go back and forth between free safety and maybe a nickel, kind of a you know nebulous position. But he's uh, he's about as close, I think, as we've gotten to. Um, to one of those real hard hitting LSU safeties of the past, like a, like a Craig Brooks or, a, um, well, take your pick. I mean, they, yeah, right, right. you, I guess. Number. Talk, about this, so, talk about the secondary. There's there, is that a, would you consider that a strength of the defense or is a lot of, I mean, some transfers, a lot of upperclassmen, how's that unit sort of coming together? I think that it's, I think that it's, I think you said it, it's coming together. I wouldn't say it's a strength at this point. Okay. Um, I think that our, our, our corners, are good, not great. I think that they're not to the level that that necessarily me as an LSU fan hopes to be. You know, when I think about LSU corners, I think about LSU DBs. You know, I really hope that that we have some of the top ones because we we've, we've been accustomed to it. I mean, all yeah. the way back to Patrick Peterson to Tyron Matthew to, I mean, Therald Sign. You know, there are even some of the guys who you know you might not know on Sundays, but um, like a guy like Therald Simon who was an excellent corner here. Uh, we're not at that point yet. But we do have, um, I think that as, as the safety position is very good for us right now. I like I like our safeties a lot. Like I said with Jay Ward, I really like Greg Brooks. Um, Greg Brooks is the transfer out of uh, out of Arkansas. 
he plays a true he plays a true strong safety kind of on the he'll play on the uh you know right in the slot and he's he's an electric player um he's you know a, a it's hard you know saying like you know your tyre matthew esque might be like saying oh he's like uh he's he's derrick henry esque i don't you know you don't right. want to go that far right but he's he's the kind of guy where he's a ball hawk and he's he's been shown to you know, when you need a, a pick or you need a, a, a fumble, a forced fumble, or you need something big, he's been there. I mean, he's a good leader on the team too. So I really like him. You know, Makai Garner and Bernard Converse uh, and Jarek Bernard Converse are going to be guys who you see at corner. I, I I think they're I think they're good. I don't think they're great. I don't think that they're a Derek Singler even even an Eli Ricks like we're right. you know like y'all are going to be starting. So that that is something that. Um, I think I think corner is a is a is a little bit of weakness for us, but I think if for honestly for us it matches up well because I don't know if you, it, this is a little bit of a down year for Alabama as far as true wide receivers go. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah it really is. Uh, you know, we talked about it uh, on our most recent podcast, and uh, there was an article that sort of spawned sort of the concept: uh, Does Alabama have a, a true number one receiver? And it sounds like a dumb question, but but it's annoying because it's it's spot on. Uh, if you look at if you go by yardage, and then you go by number of catches, and then you go by you know average catch, and then you go by touchdown, and sort of every metric that you know we have a different guy. Uh, yeah. You know who's played the most snaps, who's caught the most balls, who gets targeted the most. Uh, everything it's a different guy, and so uh, it's frustrating because if we could consolidate that a little bit. Uh, but on the other hand, it's it, it's a little bit of a loose cannon because any number of guys and the frustration is you don't know who it's going to be, which it'd be it'd be helpful if we knew who it would be. Uh, <laughs> you know, then we could sort of game plan for it. But uh, I think week to week, we don't know who, uh, you know, has the potential, the most potential to, to sort of explode. Uh, and then some weeks, none of them do. And so and, and that's, that's no fun either. So uh, but uh, but that's how. That's how that plays out. Well, let's do this. Uh, let's let's finish up with uh, um, you know sort of wrap up uh, sort of the the spirit in in Baton Rouge. You know, twenty twenty two is sort of the the COVID makeup year, right? Yeah. Uh, we went to Knoxville uh, a couple of weeks ago. Didn't have all that good of a time, uh, but it was the first time we had been there. You know, since before. You know, last time was COVID, right? And so it was the first time we had been where it was the full stadium, the full throat, the full excitement, uh, and it was a team that had something to play for. Well, we're coming to Baton Rouge Saturday, and uh, it's same but different. Uh, you guys have a lot to play for, and uh, and it's going to be, you know, packed house, and there's always a little a little extra when Saban brings the team to town. Uh, <laughs> so talk about sort of the makeup of, uh, of the city and the fan base and the level of excitement for Saturday's game. You know, El- or Baton Rouge is, is a different – city during um during football season and it's a very different city when LSU is competitive and you know the past two years the, the energy has just been down rightfully so I think that I think you're right um you know it, it's gonna be it's gonna be probably the biggest or no it will be the biggest game we played all year as far as um you know fans it's a it's gonna be a night game it's gonna be a prime time on ESPN um everything kind of you want in in this big big matchup i'm excited for it i will say and i and i think that the general you know i I would say i don't know if many lsu fans feel like oh yeah we're gonna run away with it you know we're 
I think that most people recognize that at this point we're kind of playing with house money. Kelly has overperformed in a lot of in a lot of games. You know, I think there were a lot of people who um, early in the season would have said, "Well, we we very well could lose to Florida. We could lose, and we probably will lose to Ole Miss." And you know, we haven't. Aside from the the uh, Florida State game, I think pretty much everything has gone pretty optimistically. Mm-hmm. And and you know, you talk about Tennessee, which again, which you're right, like it was it was a bad loss for us, but. I don't think anybody, uh, and as you watch Tennessee play, can can you know for the rest of this year, I don't think uh, that's that's not a a, uh, a terrible loss when you look at it with right. their body of work. You know they might be the number one team in the country. I don't. I, I kind of have. I still have questions about them, but um, you can't argue that they're not a very very good team. No. And you know on paper, talent wise, this is their time, and they're and they're they were better than L, they're better than LSU. You know we're 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 not there yet. And so, yeah, I'm excited for it. What I and, and what I'm really hoping for, I I do not necessarily. And maybe I'm maybe I'm the bad maybe I'm a bad LSU podcaster for saying it. I don't expect us to win, but you know, like I would I would be very happy with a with a cover from LSU. I think the line is like 13 points right now, kind of you know tiptoeing around there because I think that shows that we can get up we can get on the field kind of with one hand tied behind our back cuz I don't think this is the best talent that we could put to, that we'll be able to put together and I think that I think that what you're seeing right now the success we're seeing is due to um coaching I don't think the success yeah. here is all talent and that's a good sign for me because I've seen over the years we've been able to have a lot of success really from from what in retrospect probably seems like talent only you know, when you think about the 19 season and then you kind of realize what Orgeron did in his whole body of work at, as head coach at LSU is really one good year. It's kind of the Gene yep. Chizik effect. Yep. Um, that's talent. And you can kind of, you can go back and you can look at the same thing with like the 07 team that won. You know, that everybody always says that that was Saban's class. That's talent. So I'm excited to see, you know, if, if Kelly can elevate this, this, group that's a talented group by by no means am I you know sure down on my own team but it's not elite and so imagine you know, I'm I'm excited for let's get a few more elite players in here and see what we can do. Yeah absolutely no that's uh you know I I again I I like what uh Kelly's doing he's clearly building a program just the trajectory over the course of this season alone I've seen more progress you know, from LSU this season than sometimes you see from a new coach at a school over multiple seasons. And so uh, that's that's certainly telling. And it is exciting. He's got something to show as well as talk to uh, when he get, hits the recruiting uh, trail. And it is a compelling message. Wait till I get my guys in here, like a full uh, a full go of it. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's going to be quite interesting. Tommy, I'm going to tell you, I love talking LSU football with you. I love uh, getting together and and doing this. Uh, I wish you a little bit of luck uh, the rest of the season. I wish you a lot of luck the rest of the season. Saturday, <laughs> you know, good game. Nobody get hurt. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've got rooting interest uh, Saturday. But, Tommy, I so appreciate you joining us and yeah. uh, having the opportunity to learn a little bit more about the LSU Tigers. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's great to be on. And uh, it's always a pleasure. Just let me know when you want to do it again. Fantastic. Thanks, Tommy. We appreciate you. Take care. And we're back. Now, I told you that was a really good uh, interview. Hope uh, hope you uh, certainly enjoyed that. And I'm going to do this. Uh, I, I try not to promote our insider uh, sort of support group very often, not all the time, 
but I'm going to pump it today and I'm going to tell you why. Tommy and I had a phenomenal conversation a little bit before and like a whole lot after the interview. And so just organically, we got on the line and we just started talking and uh, and then we did the show and then we got off uh, from the, the recording and we talked a whole lot more and he had some questions about Alabama and and, uh, and so we talked uh, talked about that maybe 20 minutes, maybe not quite that long, uh, but there's a whole sort of unofficial raw version of a part two that uh, we're not going to publish here, but we do pub- publish that to, um, uh, to our support team. And so every time we record, before we send it to the publisher to get sort of the fancy package version uh, that we push out, we pump out a, uh, we call it a raw version. And so it's really just unedited. Uh, it has every time that I kind of screw up in a recording and all that good stuff. Uh, I talked to the group uh, a little bit in there and all of that is available and it's part of uh, it's part of our support package. And so it's worth it, I think, uh, for the additional sort of content. And this is a great example. If you enjoyed that interview and the conversation that Tommy and I had there, there's probably about 20 more minutes of that. Uh, that's available in the raw version. So hop over, uh, join the support team, and you'll get immediate access to that. All right, enough shill. Uh, I certainly hope you enjoyed the interview. Tommy is a great, a great advocate for uh, the Tigers, and certainly a great uh, buddy to talk uh, football on, uh, football with. And we're already thinking about maybe trying to do something this offseason. So looking forward to that as well. Uh, with that, that's a wrap. This has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tie. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.